In just a few minutes, we are going to start doing some service projects. But before we start serving and volunteering, I want to take a few minutes, and by a few minutes, I mean like 20 minutes, hopefully, uh, to tell us uh, to talk about why it is that we are serving. Because uh, there's lots of different groups that serve, and that's awesome, the volunteer, and that's awesome. But why is it that we, Christ Church Albany, are deciding to take a Sunday morning? and serve and volunteer. Uh, and here's what it comes down to. So uh, over uh, this fall, what we're talking about is some of our core beliefs. Uh, what we talk about is church not a building, church not an organization, it's a group of people. But in particular, it's a group of people that have some similar beliefs. You don't believe everything the same, but when it comes to these things, we want everyone to believe, come to a belief in this. And that's that's the distinction. If you're like, all right, am I a part of this church or am I not a part of this church? That's what it is. Is it's do I believe these things or not? Like I said, it's fine if you don't believe yet. If you want to explore, you should ask questions. But that's what Christ Church Albany is. It's a group of people who believe these things. But it's not just that we believe these things, it's that we believe that what you believe affects the way in which you live. That the way in which you treat your family, the way in which you spend your spare time, the way in which you handle your money, that what you believe deep down affects the way in which you live. And we want to live a certain way, therefore, we want to believe. And so if we want to affect how we live, we have to start with our beliefs. Uh, and the question, belief we're looking at today, is this next, is this second we looked at Jesus last week, two weeks ago is what do we believe about God? Uh, most people, uh, there's a small group of the population, and this might be you, and that's okay, that would consider themselves to be atheists. Uh, but the majority of people actually say, I believe in some sort of God. But if you were to dive deep into it and say, okay, who is God to you? You would find that people have very different beliefs about who or what God is. And so our question is, is, for us, what do we believe God is? And it matters because what we believe about God affects how we live. And so here's some different beliefs that some folks, maybe you, have about God, and we love you. Uh, I think these are wrong beliefs about God. Uh, here's one belief about God, the idea that God is a bodyguard. So God's job is that he's going to protect you. God is going to make sure that no harm ever comes to you. And sometimes, maybe some of you have known someone like this. What turned them off to God was that they believed that God was always going to protect them. And then something happened, and it didn't seem like God, was, didn't, God wasn't the bodyguard that they thought he was supposed to be. And there's a reason for that. It's because God never said that he was going to be bodyguard to God. Uh, another one is I was called Santa Claus God. It's similar, but this is the God who's going to give you what you most want. So if you want a big house, if you want a nice car, if you want uh, a, a, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever it is you want, God's job is that if you're doing the right things, then God, if you're not on the naughty list, if you're on the nice list, God will give you what you want. God will bless you. And that's not who God really is. Uh, this next one is uh, the warm and fuzzy God. Uh, and usually how this happens is it's for folks who have been in church world, 
And oftentimes they like they were at a conference, maybe they were at a camp, uh, maybe they were at some church service, and they were you know, song service sermon. They had this feeling inside where they felt God, and so they thought then they were going to always have that feeling. But then the days, the weeks, the months went by, and they didn't feel that anymore. So they thought, okay, is God mad at me? Like, what's going on here? And it's because God never promised that he was always going to take us. Sometimes we feel that, but that's not always, that's not God's job to make us feel that way. Uh, Mother Teresa famously talked about that she went years of her life without feeling that feeling from God. Uh, another one uh, uh, pretty common, if you have a, a guilt God, uh, this is a God that just says no. Uh, this is a God that if it's going to make you happy, no. <laughs> If it's pleasurable, no. Uh, this is a God that is against you having any fun. This is a God that wants you to kind of sit around and watch everyone else having a great time in life. So like, I'm just going to sit here and like someday I'll get to go to heaven and those people I'm really, you know. And this is a God that looks back on times where you have had fun and he's mad about it. He is disappointed in you. This is a God that might love you, but this God does not like you. Maybe you're presented with that kind of God. Uh, and then, uh, last one for this part is the anti science God. Uh, this is the God that somehow, when there's like a conflict between, like, okay, like it seems like, you know, faith is saying this, or maybe, you know, the Bible is saying this, but science is saying this, somehow, like, I guess science must be wrong, and I have to go with what God is saying. And it's this belief. That somehow God is going to always work through some sort of like crazy, you know, mumbo jumbo way that does not involve science. And if it does involve science, somehow that disproves God. And it's the idea that no way God can actually work through science. And maybe how what science is showing us is not, hey, well, that disproves God, but maybe it's showing us how God is working. Um, but maybe some of you grew up in an environment. Where if you ever said, hey, I actually am going with the science explanation of this instead of such and such explanation of my Sunday school teacher, whoever else told me, then you were shown that that was wrong. And now, here's why all of these are important as far as belief and everything else. Is for some people, maybe for some of you, maybe for someone you know, it was one of those that turned them away from God. They believed in body God God. And then something happened in their life. And then that made them lose their belief in God. They thought that God was going to be Santa Claus. And then God didn't turn out to be Santa Claus. And so then they gave up their belief in God. They thought God was always going to make them feel warm and fuzzy. They didn't like always feeling guilty. They didn't like having to choose between God and science. So they walked away from God. And that's unfortunate. Because in some ways, they walked away from a God that does not exist. Absolutely true. But they missed who God actually was. Or maybe what's even more dangerous is if there's folks who went along with these and they believe these and it's affecting the way in which they live. And so they feel guilty all the time. They just feel like they have to constantly make God happy and they live in that. They feel like God's going to protect them, but only if I do all the right things. They just live under the fear of am I doing enough good stuff and is God going to help me or not? And they are living this false belief of who God is, and it's, it's not going well. And it goes 
deeper into these bad beliefs of who God is. Uh, Richard Dawkins, famous atheist, uh, said this uh, about these kind of false ideas of God. He said, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. And then he goes on to describe who this God is. This God is jealous and proud of it, petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infidel, genocidal, filicidal, hesitidal, megalomaniacal, there you go, uh, sadomasochistic, capriciously, benevolently, bully. And I had to look up some of those words because I didn't know what they meant. They are, none of them are good. And this is exactly what some people believe God is like. And so they walked away from God. And they should have walked away, because that's not who God is. Or maybe more scary, is there's some people and there's some churches who live like that this is who God is. And when you walk in and you see how they live and you see how they present things, they say, this is who God is. But that is not who God is. God is something different. Uh, here's what we believe that God is. God is Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Do it with Jesus. You want to know what God is thinking about? Do it with Jesus. You want to know what God thinks about people who are not doing the right thing? You look at Jesus and how he treated people who were not doing the right thing. You want to know what Jesus would do with a group of people who didn't have enough resources? You would look at what Jesus did with a group of people who didn't have whatever Jesus would do. That's exactly what God would do. Because God is Jesus completely. And here's the reason why we say that, is because that's what Jesus claimed. Uh, real quick, I'm going to look at a uh, section of scripture. This is from uh, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' followers, uh, wrote this down 2,000 years ago, wrote at the end of his life, and I'll talk about that at the end. Uh, he started following Jesus when he was a teenager, so like 11, 12 years old, John started following Jesus around, followed Jesus around for three years. This is near the end of that time period after John, Peter, James, some of these early disciples have been following Jesus around for three years, and they're having this conversation, and this is Jesus talking. So my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Uh, he goes on, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Now here's some other good news for some of us. If you ever like read some of the things that Jesus said, if you're something Jesus said, you're like, I, I don't, what exactly is coming ahead? Like, what exactly is he talking about there? If you're a little bit confused, good news, you're not alone. The people who knew Jesus best who followed him around for three years were often confused at what Jesus said. And here's an example of that. So one of the disciples uh, typed this, and Simon said to him, Lord, like, we have no idea. We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Like, you keep saying, like, you, you know the way? Like, no, we don't. We have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know the way. Uh, so Jesus tries to make it a little bit clear. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, God, except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father, God, as well. From now on, you do know me and have seen him. And 
they, they're a little bit clear maybe, but they're still not completely clear because uh, Philip jumps in. It's like, okay, all right, here's what I taught him that is, okay, the Father, God, that's right. We're into that. We want to know God. I want to know what is God like? Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Show us what God is like. Well, what does God do? We want to know what does God really look like? Here's how Jesus responds. Jesus answered. Oh. Other side. Don't you know me? Look, look, look at me. Sitting right here in front of me. Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, you've been watching me for three years. You haven't caught it yet? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You've seen me. You've seen God. Because here's what I'm telling you. Me sitting here, 33-year-old Jewish carpenter, said all these things, done all these things. I'm telling you, right in front of you, I am God. Again, if you have questions about that, for sure they had questions about it. And they weren't sure. And they had questions. And they had doubts. And then a few weeks after this, Jesus was crucified. And he died. And at that point, they were positive that he could not be God because sons of God don't die, Messiahs don't die. And then what changed the tide of history, and you can research for yourself whether this is real or not, but we believe that it absolutely is. Jesus rose from the dead. And that was the punctuation point where all of a sudden lots of people who were literally running for their lives, put their lives on the line, gave their lives in many cases because they believed that Jesus was absolutely right about everything that he said, everything that he did, including his claim that he was indeed the Son of God. He was God himself. Now, for us, here's why that matters, is this. That is who God is, is God is Jesus. We had to ask the question, who did Jesus say that God is? Who did Jesus say that he was? And here's just a, a, a couple, and you can go through more of these and send them on your program. Uh, here's a few of the things that God said, Jesus said that God is. The next one there, uh, Kim? Uh, he said that God is on a throne. God is in charge. God is large in charge. Everything you see, God is in charge of. He is on the throne. Uh, he also said this. He said that God, Jesus, has the ability to drive out demons. Not only is he in charge of some things, he's in charge of everything, including the evil in the world. Uh, here's what else uh, Jesus said about God. He said that he is alive. He wasn't the God that was like somewhere in the past, but he is actually living and active right now. Uh, so much so that uh, Jesus said this. He said that with God, all things are possible. Again, not that he will do everything, but with God, all things are possible. Uh, here's what else Jesus said about God, is that God has commands. Uh, talking about this in our community group this semester. That God has a certain way that he wants you to live. That he says is the best way to live. That's what God has. God has not just, you know, he's not just ordering you. He has a way of you to live. It's the best way to live. Uh, and he goes on. And this is kind of scary. Is that God's telling us to live a certain way. A lot of us are sometimes not living that way. And God knows our hearts. God knows what's deep down inside. God knows the things that no one else knows. God knows the things that we haven't told anybody else. We'd be so ashamed if someone else knew. 
Which begs the question, God knows everything about me. Then what does God think of me? God must be so mad at me. You know, I, I should live in shame and guilt, right? Because of all the things God knows about me. Here's what Jesus says about God. Is that God is actually bringing you good news. That if God shows up, a lot of times he's like, hey, God's going to show up to you this. Oh, man, he's going to be mad. Like, no, no, no. God shows up. It's good news. And here's why. Because God loves the world. Uh, and that's where we're going to end for today. Is if you want to know what God is like, God is like Jesus. And you had to find a big summation word for what Jesus is like, what God is like, is God is love. Uh, and finally now, here's why that matters so much for how we live. And again, we're going to worship this through the eyes of uh, John. So again, John was a teenage kid, started following Jesus. Uh, most people believe that uh, John outlived most of the other disciples, and so he died a very old man, which is important, because that meant that John saw some really difficult things in his life. John saw the, the, the death of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus, but then he saw the death and execution of his friend Peter, his friend James. Uh, he saw hundreds of other Christians burned and murdered and killed because they wouldn't denounce the fact that they believed that Jesus actually was the Son of God. Uh, John lived long enough that uh, the, the emperor of Rome ended up descending on the city of Jerusalem. They made Jerusalem, killed, murdered all kinds of people, one of the worst days in all of Jewish history, literally pushed the Jewish temple off the temple mound, just one of the worst days. And so John, in his life, saw all kinds of, do you believe in a bodyguard God? I mean, just, I mean how can you watch your friends die and believe in a John saw his own life and most of his life. No one who followed Jesus in the early days got rich because of it. That idea of like the, the rich pastor driving around in a fancy car, no way. John saw people literally living lives of poverty, giving up everything to follow Jesus. If you believe in a Santa Claus God, there's no way that John's going to go along with that. And if you believe in the warm, fuzzy God, if you believe in the there's just no way you could judge. Still, at the end of John's life, after seeing all of that, he was convinced that that's who God was, that he was loved. So a couple things like for us. There'll be times in our lives, like John, I'm sure, where we ask why. Why is this happening? Why would God allow this? Well, why? I mean, Peter was one of the best guys I know. How would you allow him to be crucified? I mean, why? But when you read it through the lens of God is love, Changes everything. There'll be times where things 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 seem to conflict. The reason why Richard Dawkins can look at that view of God and say all those things about God is because there's a way in which you can read the Bible where you can make those assumptions. But what we are choosing to do, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks when we talk about the Bible. Don't miss that week. We talk about that. When you read the Bible through the lens of Jesus and through love. Some of them there's that conflict of like this story seems to be saying God is mean and angry and wants to kill babies and is suicidal and genocidal. But Jesus tells me he's love when there's that conflict. Love and Jesus wins every time. And then lastly, when it comes to our response. So if you're gonna respond to guilt God, then like better get your act together. <laughs> you're gonna respond to bodyguard God, and I better make sure I'm doing the right things. I'm like, God, protect me, you know? If I'm not getting the things I want, if I believe in Santa Claus, God, 
It's all going to affect my responses. But if you believe that God is a God of love, then it affects the way we live. Here's what John, who lived to be an old man, who says he saw Jesus die and resurrected. He believed 100% that he actually was who he said he was, God. Here's what John says. He said, dear friends, you believe this. We believe this. And let us love one another. Why? Why should we love people? Why should we love people that we don't know? Why should we love people that annoy us? Why should we love people that disagree with us? Why should we be committed to love no matter what, even if it costs us, even if it's sacrificial? Because love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He goes on. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You want to know if someone really believes in God or not? Follow them around for a little while. Follow me around. Here's how you're going to know if they really believe this stuff or not. Not, you know, are they reading their Bible every day, although that's important? Is it do they go to church every Sunday? You know, although that's important. You want to know if they actually believe this stuff. It's that they love other people because that's who God is. God is love. And this is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. What he wants us to do. And that's how we end this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So today, we're going to go out and serve, and we're going to love. We're going to love people by sponsoring a child for $40 a month, by donating coats and shoes, by giving them repaired, wonderful books that they can read, by providing food that they can eat. Um, by picking up trash, right? picking up trash around their neighborhood. We don't have to, but it's not just so it makes us feel good. It's not just because, like, ah, it's because God loves us. So, uh, Monica is going to come up and she's going to sing a quick song while we take the song. While we sing the song, you can take communion if you would like. There's communion at your uh, tables, a wafer, and a, and it's to remind you that this is who God is. God is a God who loves you enough to think that you are worth dying for. And then after we take communion, I'll come back up and I'll dismiss us and we can start serving and loving people. Uh, Monica, come on up on the stage with prayer while you're sitting there. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for showing us what you are like. And it's, it's in my own life, there's been so many times where I have had a false image of what you are. And it's affected the way I live. But what you tell us is that you are a God that is love. You love me. And there's so many times where I'm tempted to believe something different. That I am worthless. That I am guilty. That I'm just, that I, I am just, you must hate me. But God, you 
when you tell me that you love me and that you're willing to wipe away my guilt, my shame, my sin, and that no matter what I've done, you love me. And more maybe profound in my own life than that is that you love everybody else too. That the person that I think is so undeserving of love and grace and a second chance or a hundredth chance, you love them. Help us to, to live that belief deep in us. Help us to be a group of people that live that deep of love, love, love. Let me pray. Amen.